Hello, I'm Gwenna Lathland, and this is the Mama Cusses Podcast, the podcast dedicated to all the cussable moments in parenting. Disclaimer, the Mama Cusses Podcast may have curse words, profanity, or adult topics. Okay, it will definitely have those things. If you have sensitive littles listening with you, now might be the time to pop on those headphones or go hide in the bathroom with your grown-up juice. Today's episode is brought to you by Pink and Pearl, a mom-owned small business out of my home state of Oklahoma. Pink and Pearl makes the most delicious and beautiful wax melts and aromatic aids I've ever seen. These are handmade and veritable works of art. Seriously, I can't decide whether to melt them or display them. Ultimately, they get melted because the scent combinations Pink and Pearl have created are unbelievable and they actually scent the room. Go check out her brilliant line at shoppinkandpearl.com. Enter promo code MAMACUSSES for 15% off your order of $5 or more. That's shoppinkandpearl.com, promo code MAMACUSSES. All right, let's get this shit going. Today, we have a fantastic guest with us, and I am so incredibly excited to talk to this human being. I connected with her on TikTok, and I fell in love with her sense of humor, with her beautiful smiling face, and the message that she pushes hard on. Today, we're talking with Ashley McKinnon. She is the founder of The Conscious Co-Parent and an ambassador for the Co-Parenting Collective. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Hello. I'm well, thank you, and thank you for having me. This is, as I've said, very exciting. I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's it's amazing how that goes two ways, actually. <laughs> um, so today, as you know, if you hadn't figured it out by the title of the episode and the, all the shit that she does, today we're going to be talking about co-parenting. And this is one of those things. I, I love this word co-parenting. It is actually kind of new for me. I really only started hearing it in the past couple years. Um, and it's, it's not just a trend. Like it is a very healthy way to address raising kids and maintaining your own self-awareness and mental health by realizing the relationship isn't working for me, but I still need it to work for the kids. And I think that is just fucking beautiful. It, it so, really is. Yeah, I would I, I like to describe it as, you know, two parents who have separated or divorced, but are still able to problem solve together in the best interest of their child or children, you know, despite the fact that they're living apart. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. So I am a divorcee and remarried. So my eldest has a different bio dad than my two youngest. And as far as our family plays out in the last few years, her bio dad has just, you know what, never mind. He's just <laughs> kind of faded off into oblivion mm -hmm. uh, for reasons no one's really sure of, but no one's really that upset about either <laughs> because I did not healthily co-parent. Um, no, but we were never able to establish a post-separation, post-divorce relationship. 
that could be called anything close to co-parenting, um, we were really, we were really just avoiding homicide post, you know, paper signed. Right. We did not have a healthy relationship. Um, even after we determined that marriage was not a thing. So what is it that enables you to look at the human being that, you know what? I don't want to be married to you. I have spawned humans with you. Let's make this shit work. Like, how does that work for you? So it is really fucking hard. I feel like I should just, that should be the opener. Um, You know, even if you end things and are fairly amicable with your ex, it is still excruciating, um, especially in the beginning when emotions are high and you and your ex may not even be at the same stage of grief. Like, I mean, me personally, uh, months before we separated, I I kind of knew the the road that we were going down. And so when we did split, you know, I was at a different place than he was. And I kind of had to ride his roller coaster of <laughs> denial, anger, bargaining, right. et, cetera, et cetera, all the way to acceptance. So um, and then, you know, getting to acceptance, I feel like that's one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle because, you know, I had accepted who he was and that for uh, as a partner and that that didn't work for me and didn't meet my needs and what I needed in my spouse. Um, but I it took a long time for me to accept that he may not be what I envisioned or wanted him to be as a parent. And that doesn't mean that he's a terrible parent. It just means that, you know, how, what, what I wanted and how I envisioned us parenting our child together is not the reality. So I think that's a big, a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does that involve a lot of conversations in your case, your ex-partner is a man, right? He's, yes. he's male. Yes. Okay. So was that uh, a series of conversations that you had to have, or was that very much internalized of, okay, this is now the truth that I live in. I have to make adjustments to myself. Or was there a level of communication there? It was a bit of both. Um, there initially, uh, I found that it was me trying to communicate and give suggestions and, you know, try to have him participate uh, in a way that I thought was best because I love our daughter and I was trying to make sure that she was, you know, getting 100% of both of us, what I felt would be 100% of both of us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that can be met with, uh, you know, conflict on the other end, even when you're together in a relationship but certainly when when you've split you know in fairness to him I I could see how he would take that as me you know questioning his parenting or thinking that he was um you know an, an insufficient parent overall so that created a lot of conflict and tension and ended up giving the opposite of what I wanted which was a healthy enough relationship between the two of us such that our our daughter wouldn't wouldn't feel any tension or have to deal with the repercussions of, you know, the fallout of our relationship. Right. So what sort of conversations did you have to have with your daughter um, in regards to, you know, 
if, if you've been through a divorce or a separation, you know the kind of awkward stumbling around looking for the words that the kids will understand, uh, depending on their age, for the divorce and separation. But is there a different level of conversation that you get to have when you've agreed to co-parent, despite the crumbling of your personal adult relationship? Well, I think um, the biggest part of that is what is age appropriate? So we split last year when just before our daughter's first birthday. So she was very young and Mm -hmm. obviously there was no uh, real conversation to be had at that point. Um, But, and, and I think that, you know, once, once they uh, have their words and you can have a, a conversation, you know, maybe like, I don't know, three or four and up say, You can can perhaps have a conversation, but I think it's best to stick to the facts. And I preach that a lot, whether it's communication between you and your ex or um, in explaining things to your children. Um, You know, we're not uh, we're not together anymore. Uh, However, we both still love you. And because it really kids, I I don't think kids really think, you know, uh, oh, did I cause this? I think it's more Mm -hmm. what's going to happen to me now? What is my life going to look like now? So I think you can just stick to the facts. This is what's happening. We both love you very much. And we're going to work together to make sure that you, uh, you know, you aren't affected by this in any way. And then in terms of uh, the toddler stage, like for me, and even for what 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 I do now, what I practice with my daughter is just to be have lots of positive reinforcement about uh, her time with her dad and her dad as as a person, because, you know, when people trash their exes, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's that your child is 50% that person. Right. So I think the biggest part in ensuring your child's resiliency throughout this whole process is just to ensure that they feel worthy of love. Right. Well, and and that brings up another good point. Like, even if you're choosing to co-parent, you're doing that for the good of the kid. But there is still a part of you that as far as healing, yeah, you get to be a little angry at your ex. You get to go through all of those stages of grief, you get to harbor a little bit of bitterness as part of the healing process. Now, if that becomes a lifelong companion, there's, there's different conversations to be had, but it's so vital that you find someone external from your child to vent, go to your mom. If you've got one, go to your dad, go to a bestie, go to an internet support board and just tear them a new asshole. If that makes you feel better in that moment, but don't involve your kids in that part of your healing process. That is so vital. I, I obsessed about not bad mouthing my ex who I had a, a very difficult Rocky road trying to recover from the fallout of our relationship and, and figure out what the new normal was. But I was very lucky in that my mom, first of all, didn't like him, didn't think I should have married him. Turns out she was right. <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> I know, damn it. But yeah, um, but she was a fantastic sounding board and she was able to provide that space when my daughter was over at her father's house. So I was in a completely safe, completely soundproof. There's no way this is going to leak to her or, you know, little tape recorder ears are going to record all this because I needed to vent. 
and that's okay. Like you don't, the relationship is not the relationship anymore for a reason. That's fine. It's just, how do you draw that line between my personal healing from the end of this adult relationship and my continued role as I made spawn with it? <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you do need to deal with your shit. I mean, yeah. you can't just bury it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything to my child and then and then that's it. Just push it down. You will explode at some point and it will be right. awful. Um, so and I, I agree like so much of motherhood and parenthood in general, you know, they say it takes a village. And I think that can just as easily be applied to this scenario. You need support. You need people to rally around you and lift you up on those really dark days, those times where you just feel like, you know, your, your world has crumbled. And in a sense, like it's, you're, it's a, it's a grieving process. Like you're grieving your, the loss of the relationship with your partner, how you like, I mean, for me, how I envisioned my family and, and how I wanted my daughter to be raised. Um, but one thing that I, I felt helped me is that like, I, in the beginning when I was talking to, you know, say my best girlfriend about what was going on and even my mom who I love to death and gave has given me, you know, boatloads of wonderful advice. Um, it, it really helped for me personally to have a therapist, which I know is may not be, always be accessible. I, I know it can be costly, but if you do the investigation, like typically there's even some that are available through, um, like government programs. Mm -hmm. And that just allowed me to, as you say, vent and, you know, get it all out. But also that was someone who was not biased because right. sometimes when you're talking to a friend, I mean, they're like right there beside you. Yeah. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, you know, how dare he, but that if you can't consistently stay in that headspace, it it doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to look at the positives and, you know, move on from that negativity and, and shift your focus to, okay, what are the good things we're working with here and how can we move forward in a positive right. way? Right. Like it's no longer my responsibility to love this human being, but it is my responsibility to help my child maintain their positive, healthy relationship with this human being. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And I think the other one of the other toughest parts of this is is the guilt that you yeah. carry. I mean, there's already so much. I mean, I'm saying mom guilt because I'm I'm a mom, but um you know, there's there's so much guilt that can be associated with parenting even when you have a strong relationship and then when that fails, you're you're carrying that around as well. And one thing that really helped me kind of shift my perspective um, on this is, you know, when I was thinking specifically, you know, I'm giving 110% and I feel like it's, you know, it's not reciprocated. You know, mm -hmm. how often do kids have two parents where that effort is equal? Like truly. Right. And, you know, people turn out just fine. Right. So that, that, kind of helped me think, you know what, I, I can really only control my actions. And, and that's okay. And there may be tough times, but as long as I'm consistent, we'll get through this. Right. Right. 
And yeah, I, I think the consistency is, is really important. And, and when you can come to an arrangement and an agreement with your ex-partner or ex-spouse that is really kid-centric, like mm -hmm. not just what's convenient for me, not just how it works with my work schedule, but what is best for the kid. I, for, for us, for my ex and I, a shared custody situation where she went over for two weeks to his place and stayed with two weeks at my place. That was never going to be an arrangement that worked for us because of the nature of my kid and the school that she went to and where he chose to relocate. Right. Um, like that, that back and forth swing wasn't ever going to work. And the guilt in me wanted to be like, I can't even make shared custody work, yeah. but it wasn't what was best for the kid. And yes, more time with her father at the time that he was still participating might've been nice, mm -hmm. but we, we made up for it by the weekend arrangement, by the evening arrangement, by um, I've got a friend who co-parents and he still comes to dinner two nights a week wow. and they sit down and they have a family dinner because that was the thing they did prior to the divorce. And that um, is that is possible. That yeah, it yeah. really it really is. And I and again, I think I said this earlier, but it's it's possible even when things first dissolve and are you know there's lots of conflict and mm -hmm. it feels like you're never going to get out of that situation. I mean, it it can get better if you can yeah. learn how to you know have boundaries and 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 learn how to properly communicate and really have your um, expectations in check. Right. Okay. We are going to pause right here for a quick sponsor break. And we're going to come back and talk some more about co-parenting. I need to let you know that I have now launched the bad moms club, my exclusive access community on Patreon. Are you a bad mom? No, you aren't. But are you a bad ass mom? Of course. Now there's a club just for you. Joining the Bad Moms Club can get you access to the members only podcast episodes, the Mama Cusses blooper reel, and more. Head to mamacusses.com and click on the Bad Moms Club for more info. All right, we're back with Ashley McKinnon, founder of the Conscious Co-Parent and the ambassador for the Co-Parenting Collective. We're talking about co-parenting, about establishing healthy relationship with a person that you are no longer romantically or emotionally involved with, but have to keep them in your lives because it's good for your kids. So before the break, you said something that I think is really important to remember in, we were talking about not bad mouthing our exes in front of our kids, really trying to avoid living in the headspace of constantly needing to bash our exes. But you said something that that child is 50% them. And that that's true. I'm sure there's somebody in science going, no, for <laughs> <laughs> the theory of what we're talking about here. Yes. Yes. It is. Like half those chromosomes came from that other human being. And I, I have constantly had to remind myself because every once in a while, my daughter, whom I would murder for, like I love to the ends of the earth, even on the days that she drives me up a wall across the ceiling and back down the other wall. Yes. 
But every once in a while, she'll come around the corner or she'll turn around and she'll say something that is just 100% my ex-husband. And it's everything in me not to go, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad thing. I mean, at, at one point I did like him. At one point I liked him enough to marry and breed with him. He has really, really redeeming qualities. Um, but how, how are you preparing? Because yours is still pretty little, although yours is now old enough to maybe like turn around and go, Oh, well, that's your father. That's cool. It has happened. It is happening. Uh, (laughs) yes. Almost daily. Yes. Yes. So So I can relate to that. (laughs) How, how do you kind of prepare yourself for, for that momentary shock? Like she's 13. We divorced when she was three. So it's been a decade. You know, I have officially been divorced from him longer than I was ever with him dating included. Yes. And there's still that momentary, Oh my God, I didn't Oh, who, um, that, that kind of shock stance when you see your ex just pour out of your child, even though, you know, that's 50% them, of course that's going to happen. And I'm sure when she was over at his house, when she was still visiting, she'd turn around, she'd look, sound, speak, act like me and be like, wow, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. How, how do you mentally prepare yourself to not visually react? Because again, co-parenting is not just being able to hand off the kid and show up and not bicker at soccer games. It's, it's also being able to support. No, your dad is a great dad. Wasn't a good husband for me, but that doesn't make him any less for you. How do you prepare yourself to not like visibly react? Well, and that that's a huge part. I love what how you're saying, you know, visibly react because kids are, sponges and they pick it all up really at any age. So, you know, even an eye roll, I mean, that says it all right there. Um, And I think, you know, you shouldn't beat yourself up if you, you know, the first few times this happens, you, you do have a little bit of shock. I mean, it's sometimes it's just your natural reaction, but once you recognize that you've done that, I mean, my, the best advice I could give and something that I am really working on, but is so fucking hard. <laughs> so it's just small baby step uh, process, uh, progress, but to just take pause and acknowledge the feeling and just gently remind yourself that, you know, this is not your ex. This is your child. Right. And try to respond accordingly because when you don't take pause often you you're just reacting and it's your it's an emotional behavior rather than uh, you know like a rational response or a mindful response and usually you have regret for that type of emotional uh, reaction and it's not something that it's not the way that you would behave once you you know an hour later you've cooled down had a coffee gone for a walk, whatever, you know, you, you see things in a different light. So I would just say, try to take pause and, um, you know, don't try to bury that emotion, just accept it and, and try to move on. Yeah. Well, and I think so much of parenting, the temptation is there to be reactionary to everything because there is a lot of parenting that does have to be reactionary. Kids are 
tiny little ninjas actively trying to commit suicide like 90% of the time. Oh, can we get that on a (laughs) t-shirt? That's so fucking true. (laughs) There's a lot of time spent just reacting to your kid climbing up a thing that you didn't fucking think they could reach. And oh, they're on top of it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. But for the emotional stuff, I think I am particularly guilty of forgetting that I can't distance myself, even if it's just for five or 10 minutes or or less. I mean, just give myself one hot second to process, think, and form coherent words, especially as they get older. And especially when you're dealing with, you know, affairs of the heart, with the emotions, with the, with the headspace that you get to communicate in, especially as kids get older. Um, yes. If they're trying to topple off the top of the refrigerator, that's a reactionary moment. If they've said, I don't want to go to dad's today. You don't, that's not a thing that you just want to react to. You want to take a space and a pause as you say it and go, I need to think about this for a sec. Because my first inclination is, all right, cool. You want to go get your hair done? (laughs) That is not the appropriate response. (laughs) No, it's not. And um, I I think, like, again, this can also be applied to communication with your ex, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when it comes to things like texting or emails, different types of communication where we live in a world where we want everything now or yesterday. Like, um, right. And it's okay to take a minute and really think about what you what you're feeling, what you want to say, and how that's going to affect your entire co-parenting ecosystem overall. One of the pieces of advice that I received in coping with my ex-husband. Now, I was unable to afford therapy. However, I did have friends who had gone through therapy. I did have, you know, connections with people who were actual therapists. Mm -hmm. And some of this advice came a little later. But what my therapist friend once recommended and has just stuck with me is when you have to have a conversation with your kid about your ex, I want you to keep a notebook with you or a note-taking app or whatever is natural for you to have. And when you feel your own emotions beginning to crisscross the stream um, of what you're trying to communicate with your child about, I want you to make a note, just one word or a sad face or an angry face or whatever, just something to force you to visually process I'm feeling a thing right now, but right now I can't react to that emotion. So I'm just going to write it down. And that way you can later go back and process. Why did what my daughter said make me feel sad? Why was I so angry at that information? What was frustrating about that? And again, it's the, in the moment, you may not be able to parse that information because your kid's just staring at you going, mom, can I go to spend the month with dad? Yeah, <laughs> emotions in that and you can't just robot off you need to process that information but maybe not right in the heat of that moment as you're having the conversation you need to be able to make notes of how you're feeling so later you can revisit it and see if you can figure out why it made you feel a thing yeah exactly and and i mean even when you just as you as you brought up earlier when you see them 
behaving or or doing really anything that reminds you of your ex and how that can be so triggering is because it's bringing up past hurts, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in reality have nothing to do with um, or typically have nothing to do with your relationship or the conversation you're currently having with your, right. with your child. But right. it can bring up those past hurts that can run really deep. And it, as you say, it is important to um, you know, acknowledge them. And even though you may not be able to deal with that in the moment, you need to set aside time to do that. It's really important. Like we talk about self-care and motherhood in general and how we don't typically make enough time for it. And especially with, you know, co-parenting now, I mm-hmm. I give my, I, I'm more careful with self-care now than ever before, because if I don't make time for it, I am an emotional wreck. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's just, there's so many raw ends and there's, again, I've been divorced for more than 10 years or 10 years. I don't even know how long I've been divorced. That's how long I've been divorced for. And every once in a while I'll, I'll even my, my husband who we've got a great relationship, he'll do something that my ex also did. It's completely harmless. Mm -hmm. It's, the way he tied the trash bag. And all of a sudden I've got this nom flashback in my head of my ex tying the trash bag the same way. It's not even a triggering event, but I get, you know, just this raw nerve that exposes itself 10 years after. And I have to go, wait, that has nothing to do with anything. So where did that come from? (laughs) Like, why did that probably tied to that, that mom guilt, that ex guilt. I think ex guilt is a whole different level of guilt that we just tack on to mom guilt, but it's, it's that, I don't know. It's just, it's really annoying when that happens. Well, for sure. And I mean, um, I, I know in your case now, your ex isn't, uh, really in the picture very much or at all, but, um, in the situation where you are, truly co-parenting, I mean, you have daily or weekly interaction with that person. So that adds a whole new layer of, you know, trying to grieve and accept and all of the all of the work that goes into moving on. I mean, when that person you're still so tightly bound to them, it's extremely difficult. Um, it's it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. I- I had heard somebody say they hate it when people call it the stages of grief. It's more like the swing set of grief (laughs) 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 because I mean, it's just back and forth and it kind of depends on any given day and the condition of the winds and just how strongly you feel some of those things. And you can slip back into any of those stages at any point Uh, For almost any reason while you're still in, you know, kind of the coping recovery track, there does come a point where it does get better. There does come a point where it doesn't sting. There does come a point where it's just, this is my new normal and I am equipped to handle this. But the swing set while you're still healing is a, it's, it's difficult to read sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think in co-parenting, it's, it's really important to remember that, yeah you are going to have an extra bit of sadness because, you know, something happened. He, he gave you a hug. And for one hot second, you remember when it's good. You remember that bit of your relationship when that was good. He gave you a hug for the sake of your kid. 
Um, there's no emotional attachment to that hug. You don't even have an emotional attachment to that hug, but all of a sudden you're thrown back into this denial anger stage out of the blue. And yeah, I, I, I would imagine that the, the healing process while co-parenting is complicated, but worth it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, to be honest with you in the early days, um, so even, even, months afterwards i mean in my heart of hearts i knew i had made the right decision but i think in most cases and with mine it got way worse before it got better and there were many times where i thought you know should i have just lived in misery the misery yeah. that it was while we were together because, you know, at, at, at least in that scenario, I felt as though I had more control over my life and my child's life. And mm-hmm. uh, that and that's another part that's really difficult as well as the, the loss of control in a sense, especially if you're not able to go through mediation and have to go with litigation and uh, go mm-hmm. through the court system. It's very scary uh, and expensive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I know for me what I grieved the most and I grieved many things, but I know for me, what I grieved the most was the loss of my understood normal. Um, yes, I knew we were going to fight about stuff. Yes. I knew things were going to piss me off. Yes. I knew I was going to feel a lot of disappointment and I was probably going to instill or inspire those same feelings in him as well. But at least I knew what to expect. Right. That made it. And like you, there were a couple times and I had some extenuating circumstances in my separation. Um, it was not just a bad relationship. It was uh, an abusive situation. And I still thought, mm, maybe I should just take it just to find that normal again, just so I don't have to do the work of finding this new normal because it is not resolving itself. And that's a whole other conversation, but it is a universal, I would dare say, I can't say it is, I would dare say it is a universal experience that when you're separating or divorcing, especially when kids are in the mix, there is a point at which you think, you know, maybe I could just put up with it. You don't have to. <laughs> you can establish healthy co-parenting boundaries. You can establish your new normal and it's going to suck before it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, uh, the question I, I asked myself before making the final decision is, you know, do I want my daughter to grow up thinking, having our relationship as the bar for a healthy relationship? Yeah. And the answer was no. And that was enough for me to think, Mm -hmm. okay, like, bring it on. Let's get through this because I do not want this for her. I do not want her, you know, she, she may still make her own mistakes, but I'm, I'm not going to, um, be a, uh, have this as, as her, you know, role model essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a large part of my choosing to date after divorce. I gave it several years, but choosing to date after the divorce is because I wanted to give my daughter a fair shot at seeing what a good relationship was, which meant I had to put myself out there to find that good relationship. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I'm in a, I, I've dated again, I'm in a serious relationship now. And I have to say on another <clears throat> positive note, uh, yes, you know, my daughter too gets to see us in a healthy relationship, which is beautiful. And we've got more extended family and new grandparents that want to love and spoil the hell out of her as well, which is great. Um, most of the time, except for our house is filling up with too many toys. Um, Yes, but uh, also, you know, I I cherish the wonderful relationship that I have now to such a point that I don't know I ever would have before. Yeah, um, yeah. I value him and what we have so so much, and that's that's such a a beautiful thing and really a highlight in my life through this right. journey. Right. Uh, so one last question, and this is a question that I did not prepare you for because I prepare no one for, um, <laughs> so if you had a magical megaphone or bullhorn and you could talk to every mother on the planet who is considering going through or coping with a separation or divorce, and you could tell them one thing and they had to listen to you while you said it, what's the one thing you would tell every woman going through a separation or a divorce about co-parenting? Oh, one thing that is hard. That is, <laughs> um, I think can, if, okay, one thing continue to take the high road, no matter how dark things get, because when you consistently do do good and do the right thing you feel good and um you know that's what you're modeling to your children as well Ooh, that's powerful that's good that's a good place to end that take the high road bitches okay. i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying it's easy but <laughs> but yes try <laughs> <laughs> try. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of this fantastic episode. I feel like this, this, I, I enjoyed this one a whole lot. Uh, thank you, Ashley, so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Gwenna. I also enjoyed it and I just adore you. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We need to say thank you to our sponsors for their continued support and to the Fox sisters for the use of their song Stuck on You as the intro and outro of our podcast. Please be sure to hit up mamacusses.com for this week's show notes. I will also have Ashley's link information so you can go follow her on her Instagram and her TikTok and whatever other websites and resources she opts to provide for us. Uh, if you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear on Mama Cusses podcast, or if you would like to be a guest on the Mama Cusses podcast, drop me an email at mamacusses at gmail.com. Be sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram. I'm Mama Cusses. Join the Mama Cusses Facebook group. Uh, all of that link information is on mamacusses.com. You guys are the most awesome audience. I love you a whole bunch. And uh, that's it for this week. Stay fierce, bitches. <laughs>